Well, this morning, you, you may have seen me sitting up here all by myself, all alone. I noticed that none of you um, saw fit to come and, and join me, just kind of let me languish in my aloneness. But my, my wife, Gretchen, and my, my daughter, Leah, are both uh, back in, in Idaho, uh, spending some time with Gretchen's uh, father. He is uh, singing in their church today, and they wanted to go and spend some time, so they've been there uh, this weekend. And uh, they, send your gre- they send their greetings to you, so they say hello. Um, but it's just been, just been Ollie and I, our dog, and, uh, and the cats. It's just been, it's just been a, a, a dude weekend. And so um, I'm still here standing, so, you know, and, the, and so is the house. So that's all good. So we're, we're taking small victories, um, and, and we're hanging on to those. But, but we are grateful to be together. Grateful uh, this morning as we come to a, a conclusion of our... Uh, our Love Where You Live series. I'm just thankful for the message that Pastor Jesse brought this past week. Um, when we find ourselves in the midst of, of God's miracles and, and sometimes in the midst of difficulty, we can, get, we can get knocked off balance by the struggles of life. And we need to understand that God is desiring to use the situations of life that he brings us through to grow our faith and to show his faithfulness. And so in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on in the world, God is faithful. And uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper as we conclude this series. Pastor Grant is, is waiting uh, patiently for our middle schoolers. So if you have a middle schooler, today they are released uh, for the middle school ministry um, during the service. So um, go ahead and, and, and run that direction. If you don't, there's a good chance that, that Grant will hunt you down and take you with him. So, but we are grateful for that ministry you know, this morning, I, I, I truly believe that God's greatest desire is that we would experience His presence in every moment of our lives. He desires to be intimately connected to His people, to His children. And, and, and while that's a, a wonderful reality, we sometimes don't embrace the truth of God's faithfulness in our lives. But I believe that His desire is that we would experience His presence And it's for that reason that I believe God is calling each of us. He's calling our neighborhood church community back to a place of prioritizing being with Him. See, we all have a a, a wonderful understanding, or or, maybe most of us would say we we believe there's a God, and and, and, I think there's there's someone there and He cares, but, but... we, we, we tend to get bogged down with the, with, with the stuff of life, and we wonder if that's true sometimes. But as we conclude our series, Love Where You Live, the ability to truly love people, the way that God loves people, the, the ability to truly love where God has placed us, that will only come out of time spent alone with God. Time purposed for Time in His presence. See, there's, there's no other way to, to truly love people than to understand the importance of being in God's presence. We've been talking about God's desire to work in and through us to reach people He's placed in our lives with His love and His desire for relationship. But it doesn't just happen automatically. Our mission at Neighborhood Church is to be a community of faith who are actively leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. That's what we center around, is being in that 
mindset of leading people to Christ. And obviously, in order to successfully lead people into a relationship with Jesus, we have to be willing to prioritize time in the presence of God, time spent being strengthened by our faith community, by, by this, this group of people. And most certainly, time spent around those with whom God is desiring relationship. It's kind of hard to, to love people where you live if you don't spend time with the people with whom you live. See, the critical element we, we tend to forget in, in this whole equation, or maybe we just misprioritize it, is the time that we're meant to spend with God. The time that we're meant to be in His presence. The time that we're meant to purpose relationship with our Creator. Today we'll, we'll be taking a look at, at Jesus' rhythm and, and really trying to take a cue from the way that He lived and looking at the rhythm of getting away to prioritize time with God the Father. We're going we're gonna to start in, in Luke chapter 5. That's our text. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, they'll be on the board or on the YouVersion Bible app. But we're going to start in Luke 5, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit. So just get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. But Jesus has begun his ministry, and he's calling his disciples, and, 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 and some amazing things are happening. And the news about Jesus is spreading. And we pick it up in verse 15 of Luke chapter 5. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus got alone with God. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, the Son of God, amidst all of the amazing things that were happening in and through his ministry and the miracles that were, that were taking place he prioritized time alone to pray and to be in relationship with his Father. You think maybe if Jesus saw fit to get alone, to spend time in prayer, to purpose himself to be in relationship with the Father, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, do you think maybe that would be a kind of important component for us in our our walk, our daily life. I'd say it's probably up towards the top. I'm just saying. I'm no expert. But true confession. <laughs> I struggle so much to be fully with people. I, I struggle sometimes to be, to be fully with God because there's a ton of distractions in life. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit ADD. And so... I'm easily distracted. There's many people who know me and, and thankfully love me that would say that any drop of a hat, any moment, it's like squirrel, you know, and it's it's just it's just how it it's just how it works. I get distracted easily by the TV, by the by the by the phone notifications, by people watching. I mean, come on. Gretchen and I are professional people watchers. And I'm just telling you, you can be in the midst of a conversation and somebody does something that kind of gets your attention and you're like, well, that's a different way to do it. And I just get distracted. doesn't mean I'm... Let's see, you don't, don't think what's, 
is going on is important, but I get, I get distracted easily. Maybe you can relate. You, you know how it works. Someone's talking to you, you're watching the TV, or you're working on an email, you're checking social media for the umpteenth time. Because you're all amazing multitaskers. You think you can do all those things and truly, fully be with somebody. And you know the instant when they're not buying it anymore. Because what do they say? What did I just say? And then you're like, you said... And you parrot back some paraphrased version of what they just said to you, trying your darndest not to sound like a moron. But they don't buy it. Come on. You're not fully with them. Can you imagine Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus walking through the earth, doing his ministries, he's healing people, and all these incredible things are happening. Can you imagine if he, if he came up on somebody and they were in need? You think about the, think about the man with leprosy in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. He comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He has that level of faith. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And instead of Jesus saying, I am willing, be clean, he said something more like, I'm willing, just let me, let me go live on Facebook. Let me, let, me get this, let me get this going. I want to make sure we catch this because this is going to get big. A lot of likes. This thing's going to go viral. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But if we're honest, we all struggle with elements of being fully with people. And consequently, we, we struggle to be fully with God. Even in those times where we set aside time to be alone with God, we struggle to really be with Him. See, it's, it's easy to, to substitute time alone with God for time spent powering through the task list of the day. It's like, okay, I got all the check boxes. I got to make sure I get that done. And this is, this is really important. I got to take care of that. And we power through all these wonderful, amazing tasks that really have no eternal impact on our lives, but it feels really good to check the box. And some of you are like, mm-hmm, yeah, I know what he's talking about. But we can also get so busy doing all the things we think God is desiring we would do that we neglect the necessary time spent with him to prepare us to do those very things. God, you want me to do this, and you want me to go there, and you want me to spend time with this person, and you want me to shine the light in my workplace and in my, 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 my school and all these different things. And we don't purpose the time to prepare our hearts and to prepare our minds to actually go do those things. A.W. Tozer says, if a man wants to be used by God... He cannot spend all of his time with people. Seems a little bit contradictory, doesn't it? You look at the life of Jesus and you're like, Jesus was with people all the time. He had 12 disciples that were falling around like little puppies and, and he spent time with them. And then, and then he was always going around and he was healing people and he was delivering people and he was, and he was teaching people. He was always with people. 
What are you talking about? If you, if you turn to Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35, we'll see a different version of Jesus' rhythm. It says in verse 35, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him, and, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Here's Jesus. Fully God, fully man. In the midst of his public ministry, and, and all this stuff is happening, and in the midst of the excitement, he prioritizes getting up early and getting alone with God. The, the actual passage of Scripture says, very early in the morning, Jesus got up and left the house. I don't like the words, very early in the morning. Can I just be honest? I don't like the words, early in the morning. Because I'm just not a morning guy. I don't know about you. I mean, there's some of you who are like, oh yeah, you got to take the day by the tail and you know, the early bird gets the worm and whatever other cliche you want to throw in there. And everybody hates you. Because you're the one who comes bebopping into work and everybody's like, <laughs> just let me get a cup of coffee in me so I don't say something I'm not going to mean. But we struggle. And this idea of very early in the morning, Jesus got up and he prayed. See, this is a, this is a, a rhythm that we should get really, really good at. Otherwise, how do we expect to know the heart of God for our lives and those around us? We've gotten pretty good at getting up early in the morning. Gretchen and I have a rhythm. We get up at 6 o'clock. The dog's like, I know what's happening. So he's like, mm -hmm, and he's bouncing around, and he's waiting, and, you know, get the harness on him, and then we take him for a walk. Takes about 30 minutes. We get back to the house. We get our coffee going, and then it's, it's, it's time alone with God. And we have to purpose to do it. It doesn't just happen automatically. Guess what? It's really, really easy to hit the little snooze button on the phone thank the lord i have a wife who is kind of more morningish and she gets up and i usually kind of sit there and i'm like mm -hmm. and she's like come on let's go okay 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 i'm with you but we have to understand that this rhythm of time alone with god is critical it's critical to us being able to press into the things of god there's, there's two simple but I think profound realities that we have to embrace to really grow in our love for God and for people as we think about what it looks like and what it means to love God and to love people in our context. The first is this. The ability to love people the way God does will only come out of regular time spent with Him. That's it. I'm telling you, I love people. You can ask most of the people who spend any amount of time with me. I, I love people. I, I, I don't typically really have a hard time being around people. But even I struggle sometimes with the nuances of the way that people act and drive and do other things in life. 
But the reality is true purpose in life is, is found not merely in what we do, but in the power of with whom we do those things. God's greatest desire is for us to be with him in deep relationship. And when I say deep relationship, it goes beyond just a, a token prayer or, or a few minutes in the word of God and then we just kind of move on with our day. With our day. If, if, if we don't purpose intentional time spent with God, how can we expect our lives to be those that bring glory to him? If we, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, don't you think it would be important for us to spend time with him? So that when people go out there like, oh wait, there's something different about that guy. See, see Jesus was, was constantly teaching about the importance of, of belief in the Father and time spent with him. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to, to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered in verse 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Here's the question. Do, do people get to know the heart of Jesus having spent time with you? Having spent time with me? Do they leave those interactions going, wait, is there some, something different about that guy? I, I don't understand what, I can't put my finger on. But there's, a, there's a peace, there's a joy that doesn't make sense. When people leave a, a, a a moment with you, do they leave transformed or do they leave discouraged and frustrated and annoyed? Because when we spend time in the presence of God, that should have an impact with the people we have the privilege to interact with. As followers of Jesus, when people spend time with us, they should feel loved. They should, they should feel cared for. They, they should feel encouraged. And they should also be challenged. Challenged in the way they're living. Challenged in the way they're thinking. Challenged in the way they're speaking. Do we just love blending in? Well, if I talk like them and I act like them, maybe they won't think I'm a weirdo. When did, when did being a, a follower of Jesus become weird? When did, we, when did we start to think it was okay to just kind of exist in a world that is overrun by evil and darkness? We should be pointing people to Jesus. We should be showing people what godly living looks like in a way that makes them go, I want that. 
I don't understand how you could be walking through the circumstances and the situation that that person is walking through and still have hope. But I want that. But see, even the disciples didn't get it. The disciples were, were walking with Jesus. They were, they were with Him. They spent time with Him and they still didn't get it. Going back to our text in John chapter 14, starting back again in verse 8, it says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. How can you say, show us the Father? You've been spending time with me and the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Are we in relationship with God the Father? Have we received Jesus into our lives in such a way that moves us out of a, a, a lukewarm, just get by, let's just survive the day kind of living to, no, something, something amazing is going to happen today, God, and I want to be part of it. Do we have that level of expectation? See, the disciples had no power on their own to do anything. I, I think we forget that sometimes. All the ministry they were doing, all the stuff that they were doing, they were healing people, they were driving out demons, they were doing all these amazing things. But they did it because they had spent time with Jesus. They had spent time in His presence. They had been commissioned by Jesus to go and to serve and to love and to deliver and to heal and to do all these amazing things because Jesus said, you go and you go with my authority and my power. The power that's been given to me by the Father. It's only because they had spent time with Jesus that they could claim the power found in His name. Have you ever put someone's name down as a reference on a resume or a job application and they don't know that you did that? put down their name and you, you mean to call them to let them know, hey, I wanted to use you as a reference and you forget. And then they get that awkward phone call where they're like, yeah, this is a, a reference call for Dan Clements. You know him? Uh, yeah. Or worse yet, you meet somebody who's of an influential position and you have a little moment that they forget about but you don't and you put them down as a reference and then the phone call takes place. That one's even more weird. But we've all been there, you know, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. I know them, you know. Yeah, we're, we're buddies when you're actually acquaintances, maybe. 
See, there were, there were those who were, were trying to imitate the apostles, claiming the power of the name of Jesus, but they didn't really know him. So the disciples, the apostles, are going around doing all this amazing stuff because they've been commissioned by Jesus to do those things. But there's people who are trying to imitate it. They're called the sons of Sceva. It didn't go real well for them. If you, you look at the passage of Scripture in Acts 19, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's pretty cool. So what's happening? There's people watching this and they're like, I want to get on the mat. So here we go in in verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about. But who are you? That's the point in the story where you go, rut row. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Awesome. Talk about being naked and afraid. They had not been with Jesus they had not been with him and because of that they had no authority so what does your with look like what does your with God look like is it a quick little little prayer here and you know devotional thought there or are you really spending time with the creator mark batterson in his book whisper says god trusts most those who know him best and those who know him best are those who've spent the most time with him does god know you do you really know god because if you haven't spent time in his presence We've got to come to a place of understanding that the ability to love people the way that God has called us to love them will only come when we've spent time in His presence. The second thought is the knowledge of who God is can never replace the importance of deep relationship with Him. It's not enough to just know about God. We tend to, to look for shortcuts to real relationships in life. We often, often substitute deep relationship, really doing life together for an abbreviated version of acquaintance. Hey, you know, I know so-and-so, and oh yeah, I met so-and-so, and you know, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Good, doing great. Yeah, it's good talking to you. And we move on. But God's greatest desire is that we would find strength and relationship that we would go deep in a relationship with God 
And as we do that, it would open up opportunities for us to, to reach a depth and relationship with the, the people that God is bringing across our paths. So, what does it mean to, to know God and to be known by Him? Well, it's an intimacy of relationship that goes deeper than a brief daily devotional time or an occasional prayer before a meal. Deep relationship with God means there's time spent in His presence without distraction, without interruption. It means you've got to structure it. You can't just on a whim kind of, well, I'm going to take some concerted time with shh. J.J. Packer says there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve Him, boldness to share Him, and contentment in Him. Are you finding your contentment in the power and the presence of the Almighty God? Or are you searching and striving and straining and, and desperately trying to cling to something that's going to be very temporary to fill that void? How can the depth of relationship with God translate to our journey with those people God has placed in our paths? There has to be time. There has to be intention. Otherwise, we have no right to be representing God before those people. Time spent in the presence of God will deepen our relationship with Him and our understanding of His purpose. You're not an accident. You're not a whoopsie. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of your lives. And time spent in His presence will reveal what that is. It will begin to open doors. It will begin to unlock our minds and our hearts to what God is doing in the midst of a moment. It'll, be, it'll bring purpose to victories and defeats. It'll bring purpose to the trials and the seasons of uncertainty where we go, what is going on? See, Jesus came to do the will of the Father. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He gives, has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes to earth and submits himself to the will of the Father. Submitted himself to the point of death. Philippians 2.8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's how bought in Jesus was to the Father's plan. See, we tend to see pain and, and struggle at times in life. And we, we look at it and we say, where is the presence of God? God seems far off in the midst of this. 
and his power seems almost unavailable. That causes us to question. I love this quote from, from Mark Batterson's book. It says, pain can be a theology professor. Pain can be a marriage counselor. Pain can be a life coach. Nothing gets our full attention like pain. It breaks down false idols and purifies false motives. It reveals where we need to heal, where we need to grow. It it refocuses priorities like nothing else. And pain is part and parcel of God's sanctification process in our lives. You can leave the Bible on your bedside table untouched. You can ignore desires, dreams, doors, promptings, and people, but you can't ignore pain, can you? What is our time alone with God revealing in our lives? Perhaps it's been a, it's been a minute since you really, really understood what it felt like to be alone with God, to truly be in His presence without something vying for your attention. Because our time alone with God will prepare us for the time we spend with others. I'm telling you, church, if we don't create space in our lives to stop and be alone with God, we will eventually run out of space to serve the people that God has asked us to serve and to love the people that God has given us to love. It's that important. There are people who are marching towards destruction. They are, they are blindly running towards eternal separation from God. And that is not His plan, and that is not His desire for you or for me or for anyone else. But we have to get serious. We have to be willing to say that the time that we spend alone with God is worth it. That's valuable enough to say no to something else. God is working in my life right now, saying, Dan, you've got to say no to all these good things because (laughs) what I have for you is the most important. And I need you to spend time with me. I don't know who this message is for. I know I'm preaching to myself. But it's time that we step in to real relationship with the God who loved us enough to send his son to die so that we could have life and relationship and newness. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Father, we worship you. We love you. We thank you that you invite us into relationship. We've done nothing to deserve it, to earn it, but you love us. Your very nature is love. 
And I thank you, Father, that as, as we step into that relationship, as we say yes to Jesus, as we come to that place of, of asking you to forgive us and repenting of, of the, the path that we've been on and we turn and we say, I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. I thank you that you welcome us with open arms. But that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of the relationship. And you have so much desire to go deeper with us, to, to, to be in, in real relationship. I pray that you teach us what that looks like, God, that you would help us. Give us the courage and the ability to say no to the things that seem good, but they're not the most important. And that's time alone with you. Your promise is sure. Seek me first, and all these things will be added to you. God, our, our, our pursuit is for more of you. Our desire is for more of you. Help us, Lord, we ask. We thank you that you continue to walk with us each and every day.